Section 4 of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, go to LibriVox.org. Read by Nigel Carrington. The Aeneid by Virgil. Translated by J. W. McHale. The Story of the Sack of Troy. Part 2. First, with a great troop of Grecians attending him, Androgius meets us taking us in ignorance for an allied band and opens on us with friendly words hasten my men why idly linger so late others plunder and harry the burning citadel are you but now on your march from the tall ships he spoke and immediately for no answer of any assurance was offered knew he was fallen among the foe in amazement he checked foot and voice even as one who struggling through rough briars hath trodden a snake on the ground unwarned and suddenly shrinks fluttering back as it rises in anger and puffs its green throat out even thus androgeus drew away startled at the sight we rush in and encircle them with serried arms and cut them down dispersedly in their ignorance of the ground and seizure of panic fortune speeds our first labour and here Coribus, flushed with success and spirit, cries, O oh, comrades, follow me, where fortune points before us the path of safety and shows her favour. Let us exchange shields and accouter ourselves in Grecian suits. Whether craft or courage, who will ask of an enemy? The foe shall arm our hands. Thus speaking, he next dons the plumed helmet and beautifully blazoned shield of Androgeus and fits the Argive sword to his side. So does Ripeus, so Dymus in likewise, and all our men in delight arm themselves one by one in the fresh spoils. We advance, mingling with the Grecians, under a protection not our own, and join many a battle with those we meet amid the blind night. Many a Greek we send down to hell. Some scatter to the ships and run for the safety of the shore. Some in craven fear again climb the huge horse and hide in the belly they knew. Alas, that none may trust at all to estranged gods. Lo, Cassandra, maiden daughter of Priam, was being dragged with disordered tresses from the temple and sanctuary of Minerva, straining to heaven her blazing eyes in vain, her eyes for fetters locked her delicate hands. At this sight Coribus burst forth infuriate and flung himself on death amid their columns. We all follow him up and charge with massed arms. Here, first from the high temple roof, we are overwhelmed with our own people's weapons, and a most pitiful slaughter begins through the fashion of our armour and the mistaken Greek crests. Then the Grecians, with angry cries at the maiden's rescue, gather from every side and fall on us. Ajax, in all his valour, and the two sons of Atreus, and the whole Delopian army, as oft when bursting in whirlwind west and south clash with adverse blasts and the east wind exultant on the courses of the dawn the forests cry and fierce in foam nereus with his trident stirs the seas from their lowest depth those two appear whom our stratagem routed through the darkness of dim night and drove all about the town at once they know the shields and lying weapons and mark the alien tone on our lips we go down, overwhelmed by numbers. First Coribus is stretched by Peneleus' hand at the altar of the goddess Armipotent, and Ripeus falls, the one man who was most righteous and steadfast in justice among the Teucrians. The gods' ways are not as ours. Hypanis and Dymus perish, pierced by friendly hands. 
nor did all thy goodness o panthus nor apollo's fillet protect thy fall o ashes of ilium and death flames of my people you i call to witness that in your ruin i shunned no grecian weapon or encounter and my hand earned my fall had destiny been thus we tear ourselves away i and iphitus and pelias iphitus now stricken in age pelias halting too under the wound of ulysses called forward by the clamour to priam's house here indeed the battle is fiercest as if all the rest of the fighting were nowhere and no slaughter but here throughout the city so do we descry the war in full fury the grecians rushing on the building and their shielded column driving up against the beleaguered threshold ladders cling to the walls and hard by the doors and planted on the rungs they hold up their shields in the left hand to ward off our weapons and with their right clutch the battlements the dardanians tear down turrets and the covering of the house roof against them with these for weapons since they see the end is come they prepare to defend themselves even in death's extremity and hurl down gilded beams the stately decorations of their fathers of old others with drawn swords have beset the doorway below and keep it in crowded column we renew our courage to aid the royal dwelling to support them with our succour and swell the force of the conquered there was a blind doorway giving passage through the range of priam's halls by a solitary postern whereby while our realm endured hapless andromache would often and often glide unattended to her father-in-law's house and carry the boy astyanax to his grandsire i issue out on the sloping height of the ridge whence wretched teucrian hands were hurling their ineffectual weapons a tower stood on the sheer brink, its roof ascending high into heaven, whence was wont to be seen all Troy, and the Grecian ships and Archean camp, attacking it with iron round about, where the joints of the lofty flooring yielded, we wrench it from its deep foundations and shake it free. It gives way, and suddenly falls, thundering in ruin, crashing wide over the Grecian ranks. But others swarm up, nor meanwhile do stones nor any sort of missile slacken right before the vestibule and in the front doorway pyrrhus moves rejoicingly in the sparkle of arms and gleaming brass like as when a snake fed on poisonous herbs whom chill winter kept hid and swollen underground now fresh from his weeds outworn and shining in youth wreathes his slippery body into the daylight his upreared breast meets the sun and his triple cloven tongue flickers in his mouth with him huge periphas and automedon the armour-bearer driver of achilles horses with him all his scyrian men climb the roof and hurl flames on the housetop himself among the foremost he grasps a poleaxe bursts through the hard doorway and wrenches the brazen plated doors from the hinge and now he hath cut out a plank from the solid oak and pierced a vast gaping hole the house within is open to sight and the long halls lie plain open to sight of the secret chambers of priam and the kings of old and they see armed men standing in front of the doorway but the inner house is stirred with shrieks and misery and confusion and the cord echoes deep with women's wailing the golden stars are smitten with the din affrighted mothers stray about the vast house and cling fast to the doors and print them with kisses with his father's might pyrrhus presses on nor guards nor barriers can hold out 
the gate totters under the hard-driven ram and the doors fall flat rent from the hinge force makes way the greeks burst through the entrance and pour in slaughtering the foremost and filling the space with a wide stream of soldiers not so furiously when a foaming river bursts his banks and overflows beating down the opposing dikes with whirling water is he borne mounted over the fields and sweeps herds and pens all about the plains myself i saw in the gateway neoptolemus mad in slaughter and the two sons of Atreus saw Hecuba and the hundred daughters of her house, and Priam polluting with his blood the altar fires of his own consecration. The fifty bridal chambers, so great was the hope of his children's children, their doors, magnificent with spoils of barbaric gold, have sunk in ruin. Where the fire fails, the Greeks are in possession. Perchance, too, thou mayest inquire what was Priam's fate. When he saw the ruin of his captured city, the gates of his house burst open, and the enemy amid his innermost chambers. The old man idly fastens round his aged trembling shoulders, his long disused armour, girds on the unavailing sword, and advances on his death among the thronging foe. Within the palace and under the bare cope of sky was a massive altar, and hard on the altar an ancient bay-tree leaned, clasping the household gods in its shadow. Here... Hecuba and her daughters crowded vainly about the altar-stones, like doves driven headlong by a black tempest, and crouched, clasping the gods' images. And when she saw Priam, her lord, with the armour of youth on him, "'What spirit of madness, my poor husband,' she cries, "'hath stirred thee to gird on these weapons, or whither dost thou run? Not such the succour, nor these the defenders the time requires. No!' were mine own Hector now beside us. Retire, I beseech thee, hither, this altar will protect us all, or thou wilt share our death. With these words on her lips, she drew the aged man to her, and set him on the holy seat. And lo, escaped from slaughtering Pyrrhus through the weapons of the enemy, Polites, one of Priam's children, flies wounded down the long colonnades, and circles the empty halls. Pyrrhus pursues him fiercely with aimed wound, just catching at him, and follows hard on him with his spear. As at last he issued before his parents' eyes and faces, he fell and shed his life in a pool of blood. At this Priam, although even now fast in the toils of death, yet withheld not nor spared a wrathful cry. Ah, for thy crime! For this thy hardihood, may the gods, if there is goodness in heaven to care for aught such, pay thee in full thy worthy meed, and return thee the reward that is due, who has made me look face to face on my child's murder, and polluted a father's countenance with death. Ah, not such to a woe was the Achilles, whose parentage thou beliest. But he revered a suppliant's right and trust, restored to the tomb Hector's pallid corpse, and sent me back to my realm. Thus the old man spoke, and launched his weak and unwounding spear, which, recoiling straight from the jarring brass, hung idly from his shield above the boss. Thereat Pyrrhus, thou then shalt tell this, and go with the message to my sire, the son of Peleus. Remember to tell him of my baleful deeds, and the degeneracy of Neoptolemus. 
now die. So saying, he drew him quivering to the very altar, slipping in the pool of his child's blood, and wound his left hand in his hair, while in his right the sword flashed out and plunged to the hilt in his side. This was the end of Priam's fortunes. Thus did allotted fate find him with burning Troy and her sunken towers before his eyes, once magnificent lord over so many peoples and lands of Asia. The great corpse lies along the shore, a head severed from the shoulders and a body without a name. But then an awful terror began to encircle me. I stood in amaze. There rose before me the likeness of my loved father, as I saw the king, old as he, sobbing out his life under the ghastly wound. There rose Croesia, forlorn, my plundered house, and little Eulus's peril. I look back and survey what forces around me, all outwearied, have given up and leapt headlong to the ground, or flung themselves wretchedly into the fire. Yes, and now I only was left, when I espy the daughter of Tyndarus, close in the courts of Vesta, crouching silently in the fane's recesses. The bright glow of the fires lights my wandering as my eyes stray all about, fearing the Teucrian's anger for the overthrown towers of Troy, and the Grecian's vengeance, and the wrath of the husband she had abandoned, she, the common fury of Troy and her native country, had hidden herself and cowered unseen by the altars. My spirit kindles to fire and rises in wrath to avenge my dying land and take repayment for her crimes. Shall she verily see Sparta and her native Mycenae unscathed and depart a queen and triumphant? Shall she see her spousal and her home, her parents and children attended by a crowd of Trojan women and Phrygians to serve her, and Priam have fallen under the sword, Troy blazed in fire, the shore of Dardania so often soaked with blood? Not so, for though there is no name or fame in a woman's punishment, nor honour in the victory, yet shall I have praise in quenching a guilty life and exacting a just recompense, and it will be good to fill my soul with the flame of vengeance and satisfy the ashes of my people. Thus broke I forth and advanced infuriate. When my mother came visibly before me, clear to sight as never till then, and shone forth in pure radiance through the night, gracious, evident in Godhead, in shape and stature such as she is wont to appear to the heavenly people, she caught me by the hand and stayed me and pursued thus with roseate lips son what overmastering pain thus wakes thy wrath why ravest thou or whither is thy care for us fled wilt thou not first look to it where thou hast left anchises thine aged worn father or if creusa thy wife and the child ascanius survive round about whom all the greek battalions range and without my preventing care, the flames ere this had made them their portion, and the hostile sword drunk their blood. Not the hated face of the Laconian woman, Tyndarus's daughter, not Paris is to blame. The gods, the gods in anger overturn this magnificence, and make Troy topple down. 
look for all the cloud that now veils thy gaze and dulls mortal vision with damp encircling mist i will rend from before thee fear thou no commands of thy mother nor refuse to obey her counsels here where thou seest sundered piles of masonry and rocks violently torn from rocks and smoke eddying mixed with dust neptune with his great trident shakes wall and foundation out of their places and upturns all the city from her base here juno in all her terror holds the skian gates at the entry and girt with steel calls her allied army furiously from those ships even now on the citadel's height look back tritonian palaces planted in glittering halo and gorgonian terror their lord himself pours courage and prosperous strength on the grecians himself stirs the gods against the arms of dardania haste away o son and put an end to the struggle i will never desert thee i will set thee safe in the courts of thy father's house she ended and plunged in the dense blackness of the night awful faces shined forth and set against troy divine majesties then indeed i saw all ilium sinking in flame and neptunian troy uprooted from her base even as an ancient ash on the mountain heights hacked all about with steel and fast-falling axes when husband men emulously strain to cut it down it hangs threateningly with shaken top and quivering tresses asway till gradually overmastered with wounds it utters one last groan and rending itself away falls in ruin along the ridge i descend and under a god's guidance clear my way between foe and flame weapons give ground before me and flames retire and now when i have reached the courts of my ancestral dwelling our home of old my father whom it was my first desire to carry high into the hills and whom first i sought declines now troy is rooted out to prolong his life through the pains of exile are oh, you he cries whose blood is at the prime whose strength stands firm in native vigour do you take your flight had the lords of heaven willed to prolong life for me they should have preserved this my home enough and more is the one desolation we have seen survivors of a captured city thus oh thus salute me and depart as a body laid out for burial mine own hand shall find me death the foe will be merciful and seek my spoils light is the loss of a tomb this long time hated of heaven i uselessly delay the years since the father of gods and king of men blasted me with wind of thunder and scathe of flame thus held he on in utterance and remained obstinate we press him dissolved in tears my wife creosa ascanius all our household that our father involve us not all in his ruin and add his weight to the sinking scale of doom he refuses and keep seated steadfast in his purpose again i rush to battle and choose death in my misery for what had counsel or chance yet to give thoughtest thou my feet o father could retire and abandon thee and fell so unnatural words from a parent's lips 
if heaven wills that naught be left of our mighty city if this be thy planted purpose thy pleasure to cast in thyself and thine to the doom of troy for this death indeed the gate is wide and even now pyrrhus will be here newly bathed in priam's blood pyrrhus who slaughters the son before the father's face the father upon his altars for this was it bountiful mother thou dost rescue me amid fire and sword to see the foe in my inmost chambers and ascanius and my father creuso by their side hewn down in one another's blood my arms men bring my arms the last day calls on the conquered return me to the greeks let me revisit and renew the fight never to-day shall we perish unavenged thereat i again gird on my sword and fitting my left arm into the clasps of the shield strode forth of the palace and lo my wife clung round my feet on the threshold and held little eulus up to his father's sight if thou goest to die let us two hurry with thee to the end but if thou knowest any hope to place in arms be this household the first defence to what is little eulus and thy father to what am i left who once was called thy wife so she shrieked and filled all the house with her weeping when a sign arises sudden and marvellous to tell for between the hands and before the faces of his sorrowing parents lo above eulus's head there seemed to stream a light luminous cone and a flame whose touch hurt not to flicker in his soft hair and play round his brows we in a flutter of affright shook out the blazing hair and quenched the holy fires with spring water but lord anchises joyfully upraised his eyes and stretching his hands to heaven jupiter omnipotent he cries if thou dost relent at any prayers look on us this once alone and if our goodness deserve it give thine aid hereafter o lord and confirm this thine omen scarcely had the aged man spoken thus when with sudden crash it thundered on the left and a star gliding through the dusk shot from heaven drawing a bright trail of light we watch it slide over the palace roof leave the mark of its pathway and bury its brilliance in the wood of ida the long-drawn track shines and the region all about fumes with sulphur then conquered indeed my father rises to address the gods and worship the holy star now now delay is done with i follow and where you lead i come gods of my fathers save my house save my grandchild yours is this omen and in your deity troy stands i yield o my son and refuse not to go in thy company he ended and now more loudly the fire rolls along the city and the burning tides roll nearer up then beloved father and lean on my neck these shoulders of mine will sustain thee nor will so dear a burden weigh me down howsoever fortune fall one and undivided shall be our peril one the escape of us twain little eulus shall go along with me and my wife follow our steps afar you of my household give heed to what i say as you leave the city there is a mound and ancient temple of ceres lonely on it and hard by an aged cypress guarded many years in ancestral awe to this resting-place let us gather from diverse quarters thou o father take the sacred things and the household gods of our ancestors in thine hand 
for me just parted from the desperate battle with slaughter fresh upon me to handle them were guilt until i wash away in a living stream the soilure so spoke i and spread over my neck and broad shoulders a tawny lion skin for covering and stooped to my burden little eulus with his hand fast in mine keeps uneven pace after his father behind my wife follows we pass on in the shadows and i lately moved by no weapons launched against me nor by the thronging bands of my grecian foes am now terrified at every breath startled by every noise thrilling with fear alike for my companion and my burden and now i was nearing the gates and thought i had outsped all the way when suddenly the crowded trampling of feet came to our ears and my father looking forth into the darkness cries my son my son fly they draw near i espy the gleaming shields and the flicker of brass at this in my flurry and confusion some hostile god bereft me of my senses for while i plunged down byways and swerved from where the familiar streets ran creusa alas whether torn by fate from her unhappy husband she stood still or did she mistake the way or sink down out wearied i know not and never again was she given back to our eyes nor did i turn to look for my lost one or cast back a thought ere we were come to ancient ceres mound and hallowed seat here at last when all gathered one was missing vanished from her child's and her husband's company what man or god did i spare in frantic reproaches or what crueler sight met me in our city's overthrow i charged my comrades with ascanius and lord anchises and the gods of teucria hiding them in the winding vale myself i regained the city girding on my shining armour fixed to renew every danger to retrace my way throughout troy and fling myself again on its perils first of all i regain the walls and the dim gateway whence my steps had issued i scan and follow back my footprints with searching gaze in the night everywhere my spirit shudders dismayed at the very silence thence i pass on home if haply her feet if haply had led her thither the grecians had poured in and filled the palace the devouring fire goes rolling before the wind high as the roof the flames tower over it and the heat surges up into the air i move on and revisit the citadel and priam's dwelling where now in the spacious porticoes of juno's sanctuary phoenix and accursed ulysses chosen centuries were guarding the spoil hither from all quarters is flung in masses the treasure of troy torn from burning shrines tables of the gods bowls of solid gold and the raiment of the captives boys and cowering mothers in long file stand around yes and i dared to cry abroad through the darkness i filled the streets with calling and again and yet again with vain reiterance cried piteously on creusa as i stormed and sought her endlessly among the houses of the town there rose before mine eyes a melancholy phantom the ghost of very creusa in likeness larger than her wont i was motionless my hair stood up and the accents faltered on my tongue then she thus addressed me and with this speech allayed my distresses what help is there in this mad passion of grief sweet my husband not without divine influence does this come to pass nor may it be 
nor does the highest lord of Olympus allow that thou shouldest carry Creusa hence in thy company. Long shall be thine exile, and weary spaces of sea must thou furrow through, and thou shalt come to the land of Hesperia, where Lydian Tiber flows with soft current through rich and populous fields. There prosperity awaits thee, and a kingdom, and a king's daughter for thy wife. Dispel these tears for thy beloved Creusa. Never will I look on the proud homes of the Myrmidons or Dilopians, or go to be the slave of Greek matrons. I, a daughter of Dardania, a daughter-in-law of Venus, the goddess. But the mighty mother of the gods keeps me in these her borders. And now farewell, and still love thy child and mine. This speech uttered, while I wept, and would have said many a thing, she left me, and retreated into thin air. Thrice there was I fain to lay mine arms round her neck. Thrice the vision I vainly clasped fled out of my hands, even as the light breezes, almost like the fluttering sleep. So at last, when the night is spent, I revisit my comrades. And here I find a marvellous great company, newly flocked in, mothers and men, a people gathered for exile, a pitiable crowd. From all quarters they are assembled, ready in heart and fortune to whatsoever land I will conduct them overseas. And now the morning star rose over the high ridges of Ida and led on the day, and the Grecians held the gateways in leaguer, nor was any hope of help given. I withdrew, and raising my father up, I sought the mountain. End of section four of the Aeneid of Virgil. Read by Nigel Carrington.